Well, that song, I Still Talk to Jesus, is a popular song in the culture by a band named Laney. And for some of you, maybe you've been following Christ for a long time, you may have a tension inside hearing that, like, that's not right. Like, it feels maybe like a mockery of faith, hearing him say, you know, I, I, I smoke marijuana and I still talk to Jesus, and why would they do this in church? And then maybe you're here and you're still skeptical and uh, wondering about this whole God thing, and, and you're thinking, wow, didn't expect that in church, Right? And the reason we play that song is because that's where people live, so many people. And the truth is there is a struggle, and, they, and people know when they're doing wrong, but they wonder, is there really a God? Does he hear me? I want to believe. I want to talk to him. Will he help me move forward? And the key line is amazing grace, just trying to do better than yesterday. I know that I need it, so I still talk to Jesus. And so today, we're kicking off a three-week series on prayer. We're going to talk about why talk to Jesus. What, what is prayer? Why do it? You know, what, how to do it. Um, and I'm going to today interview someone who has a very unique uh, perspective on prayer because his very first prayer was as he was dying of a drug overdose. And what he experienced on the other side changed him and his view of God and prayer forever. But before we go to that, first I wanna say a few words about prayer. You know, I grew up doubting God, that God even existed. I, I thought Jesus was just myth. I had lots of questions. I was a skeptical engineering mind I have. And uh, I, I ended up finding a group of Christians who would let me wrestle with my questions. And after about a year, I came to realize there's real good evidence. Like I gave you last Easter, if you weren't here. And I came to believe that Jesus is the Messiah who died for, for my sins. And they kept saying, God wants relationship with you. And so one night I said my first real heartfelt prayer, God, I want what Jesus did to count for me. I, I, I need your forgiveness. I want you to lead my life. And when my friends heard I'd done that, they congratulated me. They said, you've started your relationship with God. And then they challenged me to pray every night. And I did. And, and it went well for a while. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe something's happening. But then after about a year, I realized, you know, I have never heard God talk back. I've never heard a voice. I've never seen sky writing. Nothing. I mean, maybe sometimes a few coincidental things and one day I was, I, was, I was jogging and I stopped and I just started walking the track and I started thinking, maybe this whole God stuff is just myth. You know, maybe I've just been talking to the ceiling and, and, and I was about to give up on God and give up on prayer forever. And I had a thought come into my mind as I walked the track. Or maybe it's like any relationship. It takes time to learn to trust and communicate. And I'm so glad I listened to that thought because what I later realized is that's God's most uh, desirable form of communication is those thoughts directly to our minds. And I found that what, what he says in Scripture is true. You, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I can tell you 35 years of prayer Later and journaling my prayers, I've been able to see where I prayed for something and pages, years sometimes later, God's answer over and over and over again. 
But at the same time, I've seen probably way more unanswered prayers or confusing answers. And so you may say, well, if prayer is less than 50% effective, why do it? Well, because attainment is not the goal. The goal is not to get God to do what I want. Attainment is not the goal. Alignment is the goal. The goal is not to get God to do my will. That makes me God. It's instead to align my will relationally with the heart and the will of God. And as we learn to do that, he promises he does reward it. And I have seen that over three decades plus. Jesus promised this. He said, when you pray, he said, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Be with God by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Pray to your Father in private. And then your Father in heaven who sees everything will reward you. God rewards honest, heartfelt prayer. Because God created you for relationship. And he sees every prayer that, that uh, is said out loud. He hears it every prayerful thought, every prayerful motive, every prayerful intention. When you spend time talking to God, he says he will reward that without a doubt. And at the bottom line, and we're gonna talk about different ways to pray and give you ideas during this series, but one thing I want you to remember is at the bottom of it all, prayer is just conversation with God. It's just a conversation with the one who created you for a love relationship with himself. Now, maybe you're saying, well, not me, because you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. God, God's not gonna listen to my prayer. And that's not true. Because God created you to be his child. And last Easter, you know, last week, we talked about why we celebrate that is because Jesus did what it took to bring you, to forgive you of everything and bring you back to God. And the only way we become who God intended is to walk through life with him. And prayer is how we do that. Now, maybe you don't believe me, and so I want you to hear from uh, a guy named Jim Woodford today. And uh, Jim is a commercial airline pilot, flew, flew commercial airline for 39 years. He has an amazing story, but it's not unique. And for those of you who don't know, uh, you know, for the past 35 years, I've studied over 1,000 of these experiences like Jim's gonna tell you about, where people clinically die, they're resuscitated, and they talk about an experience of, of God and heaven and even hell. And Jim experienced something unique uh, that he heard about prayer that I wanted you to hear today. Now, um, here's the only thing. Uh, he was flying, he lives up in um, New Brunswick, Canada, was flying last night through Philadelphia, and the airlines grounded him in Philadelphia without his luggage, okay? So he ended up having to be put up in a, in a hotel and, um, and Garrett, our, who is my hero back in the booth there, figured out a way that we could zoom him in today. So that's good. But here's the, here's the bottom line. Yeah, excited about that. You know, you, you always wondered why, you know, going through airports and airlines and all that's, like hell these days? Well, it's because Satan controls the airline schedule. That's, and now we have proof. And, and, and maybe the new version of Google Chrome, because it worked last, last service, and then Jim all of a sudden gets a, 
you have to update your Google Chrome. And so he couldn't get on and literally until during worship. That's what I was running around making sure. So Jim, are you there? I am. He made it. All right. Welcome, Jim Woodford. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And hello to, uh, to everyone in your church from the Church of the Holy Hilton at Philadelphia <laughs> Airport. Well, thanks so much for uh, doing this and, uh, and flexing with us. I, I'm going to look at you here. I, I, I see you on the screen there. Um, so let's get right into it because there's so much to talk about. You know, um, you took what was for you a very unexpected journey. In fact, you wrote it all down in a book called Heaven, The Unexpected Journey, right? Because of where you were when you clinically died. Tell us a little of, of just kind of your spiritual state and what, what life was about up till then. Well, I, uh, very quickly, um, I was, um, as you mentioned, born in Canada. I became a commercial pilot at 18 years of age, had a blessed career, um, very successful, invested in a number of businesses, all successful, had a fleet of British sports cars, a yacht, a plane, the epitome of the good life. And, I, and this speaks to the arrogance <laughs> of, of some men, and uh, I thought it was all due to me. I was raised Catholic, but I got away from uh, church and uh, thought everything that was happening to me was from my own extremely wonderful abilities. Matter of fact, my nickname among my friends was Diamond Jim because everything I touched turned to diamonds. And then in 2014, it all fell apart. I was diagnosed with a, uh, an illness called Guillain-Barre, and it is the destruction of the myelin sheath on your brainstem. And I went from the guy that flew jets rode horses, uh, water skied, you name it, I did it, to someone who couldn't even care for himself. My wife, God bless her, is a nurse. She was always a, a Christian. And her prayer often to God, I found out, was that, God, would you break Jim to remake him? And I, I have now warned her to be careful what she prays for. <laughs> I was going to say, how has that worked with your marriage? <laughs> you forgave her? Uh, she, she was my first angel encounter. I love her dearly. Uh, well, and, and that brought you to a moment um, because you had, you had sought out treatments all over the world, right? And ended up getting yes, on, a, and, uh, on and, a drug. And I found a, a, a clinical drug trial in, in England for people that had the disease that I had, and I had to sign a waiver and get permission from Health Canada to try it because it was a drug in testing. And uh, miraculously, it, it lessened the pain by about 40%. And, and uh, John, I'm not talking about nuisance pain. I'm talking about devastating, excruciating, mind, soul-bending pain. Mm. And uh, this medication uh, alleviated that between 40 and 50%. But I'll tell you something. I know the dangers of medication and the slippery slope of addiction because I soon found out that the more of this medication I took, the better I felt. And I got to a point where I was taking dangerous amounts of it just to relieve the pain. I mean, as an airline pilot, I never touched alcohol. I didn't smoke marijuana. I never touched drugs. But this helped me to have some semblance of a former life. And so I became dependent on it. And one night in my truck, one evening in my truck, I went to inspect the field that I own. And uh, when I drove there and I was on a back road because I didn't trust myself driving, uh, I parked facing the setting sun. Little did I know 
that the sun was setting on my life as well. And as I sat there in the truck trying to get up the energy to get out and look at the field markers, I, I thought if I take a little more medication, maybe I'll be able to do it, and I did. And instead of that warm, comforting feeling, I became, uh, it was as though my body had caught on fire and it was coming upward from my legs and inboard from my fingertips and, and my lungs were, were being paralyzed by the medication. Um, I had never prayed to God, despite spending countless hours at 35,000 feet in the middle of the night looking at the stars, I never once thought of God. That's how bad my arrogance was. And, but at those final moments, you know when you're dying, believe me. Mm. And uh, from somewhere deep inside me, uh, the first of six words came out of my mouth, the first three of six words. And those words were, God, forgive me. Because in the last nanoseconds of life, I realized I'd led a charmed life and I had never once admitted to myself or to God to thank him for what I had been given. And uh, then I fell forward on the steering wheel and, and I passed out. I remember sitting back up and I knew time had passed because now the sun was right on the horizon. And, uh, and the first thing I became aware of, John, was the pain was gone. I finally got it right. You have to take the whole bottle. <laughs> and, uh, and I slid out of my truck. It was as though I had taken off a heavy, wet overcoat and the pain with it. And I stood there on that spring evening, April 21st of 2014, and I was elated. The now, medication had finally worked. And, now and then I looked down and saw through my feet and turned toward my truck and saw my body over the steering wheel, and I was absolutely terrified. But being Diamond Jim, I started to formulate a plan that if I could crawl over there and get into my body, I'd be fine. Instead, I started to rise. When I got to about 1,500 feet, I looked up. There was a golden circle in the sky about 60 feet in diameter. And suddenly, as though I had hit all the thrusters, all the, all the uh, engines on the L-1011, and I went flying into this huge tunnel, stars streaming by me. I had the feeling of covering immense distance in a brief span of time, came to a portal covered in mist. I decelerated. I had no choice, the tunnel was closing. I stepped through it and I can't believe what I see. I'm standing and I'm looking down at the mist around my feet and I'm standing on the most incredibly beautiful green grass you could ever imagine. And then the mist cleared, I look to my right, I see the most beautiful fields of flowers, uh, a, a, a sky with a deeper blue than I'd ever seen, but no sun in the sky. But then as I move my vision to the left, I saw uh, it fell off, in the, the, the difference was striking. It went from beauty to desolation. And I saw a, a, a dark, deep pit, and hey, I, I made my way over. I've always been inquisitive, I was terrified. I looked down on this pit and suddenly something looked up at me. It came rapidly up the pit despite, despite its size. And as I saw it coming and smelled the air of despair and death that came with it, this creature crawled out and came for me. And the look of hatred in its eyes, not just for me, but for all of humanity, uh, was palpable. I turned my back to it to keep my sanity. And then I cried out the next three of the six words. I cried out, God help me. 
I had no expectation of help. Why would God turn to me when I had ignored him practically all of my life? And suddenly, John, three of the most beautiful angels appeared. And the light from them spread over me, went behind, and I turned to see it hit the, hit the, hit the demon. And it shrieked and screamed and scrambled back down in that hole like a rat running for cover. Because darkness and evil cannot exist in the light of God. Hey, Jim, you know, I think some people are probably sitting here, and if they're new to hearing any stories like this, they may be thinking like, this is, this is crazy. This can't be true. <laughs> this can't be real. And here's what I want to say to you is like, I at first didn't think so either until I studied over a thousand of them. And there are actually millions of them. And all the things that Jim has just described are commonalities that I have written about to show how they tie together. From leaving your body and many people being able to see their resuscitation and when they come back to, to give objective data that they were above their body watching their resuscitation to going through this tunnel to this, this beautiful landscape. But what I also found is that many of the people who at the very last second cried out for forgiveness, God did forgive them. But he also, it seems, and Jim's is not the first, he let them taste where they were headed. I think maybe to teach them just to show them that, look, life without God is hell. It's not a party. There is nothing good without God. And uh, Jim, you, you had to taste a little bit of that as well, right? Absolutely. And look, you're right. I understand perfectly why people would be cynical or doubt me. I mean, there's people on, on it's the age of, of the internet, people that claim they go to heaven every, as often as I go to Walmart for dog food every Friday. <laughs> and who am I to say they don't? All I know is that I have the doctor's reports. My wife is a registered nurse. Well, they, she had been told there was no hope for me. I had been no brain sign for 11 hours. No oh, brain sign. Did you hear that? 11, and, and, 11 and, hours, and you have proof of I, that. I mean, it, it, it could be argued that I never had much brain sign, but <laughs> that's the point. God is choosing people like me. I think that's, and, and that is, you know, as you guys know, I'm handing the baton of leadership off next month here and I met Jim researching a new book because I believe that these testimonies, God wants everybody to hear, but he also wants to hear how it aligns with the Bible. And, uh, and what you experience next, you know, as the angels began to, to show you heaven, tell us about that, because that too aligns exactly with what the scripture says. I wish time permitted me to describe the angels just Put it in your heart how beautiful these creatures are. Very tall, very regal, uh, neither male nor female. It's as though the best of both their genders were combined. And I don't want to get into that argument about, you know, uh, uh, that sort of thing. But just the, the, the strength of a warrior, the gentleness and love and intelligence of a woman. And, and it, it was just wonderful. I say he only because I don't want to say it. But uh, they... they they loved me. They, and, and here's the amazing thing, and I, John, I hope I'm not running over again, but your You're folks fine. need to know this. They bowed to me. So, and this wasn't a bow of welcome. It was a bow of deep respect. I mean, it was a deep bow. And I felt uncomfortable, and I said, why, oh, why do you bow to me? And their answer was incredible. They said, James, 
We bow you and mankind because we see the light of our master in each of you. And that's why I, I, look, I'm well off. I could be sitting home, clipping my coupons and playing with my horses. But I wander the globe trying to make people understand that the light of God is in you. And no matter what's happened in your life, if you are truly contrite, he stands ready to take you back. That's that, absolutely. So one of the angels, and you said there were, there were three there, which I find fascinating. One was your guardian angel, one was a scribe angel, and one you said was a warrior angel. Yes. Which we don't have time to get into, but that's fascinating too. And, and, yes. and then they said, follow, walk with us and describe what you saw. <laughs> Yeah, and they, they invited me to walk with them. And as I walked with them, they answer, I've always been inquisitive. They answered every, every question before I could almost ask the question. I, I felt like my mind was being filled with this. Yes, I wrote a book. I have seven journals of Memories of Heaven, John. Hmm. Seven journals. Wow. And, and uh, they showed me flowers that, that sang to me. They showed me flowers that, that had the scent of sanctity. And, we, and they showed me, and I think you'll find that when you get there, God is so loving and knows you so well, he will tailor your heavenly experience to what you loved on earth. So for me, it was when they hugged me, I smelled tapioca my grandmother used to make. And then they showed me horses. And my wife and I met on horseback, and uh, I've had horses all my life. And I, I mean, I never studied the Bible. I didn't know Jesus, when he comes back, be riding a white horse, but I saw the white horse and two others, and uh, skittering across the grass of heaven with the grass lighting up underneath them. Incredible beauty. And, uh, and as I'm looking at them, uh, uh, I, I look up in the skies of heaven, and here's something that's really relevant, because John is talking about the importance of prayer. And I said to the guardian, I said, what are the, there were six streaks of light going up in the sky above me, the skies of heaven. And keep in mind, there's no horizon in heaven, so there's no circumference. It goes straight up, not elliptical. And I, and I said, what are those? Because I thought in my pilot's mind, there were contrails, as you've all seen on a summer's day. And he said, those, James, are the prayers of your family for your soul. Even and now, going up to God. And at that, at that very moment... So at that very moment, while he's experiencing this in heaven, his wife gathers your family, six of them together, in your living room that next morning. So you'd been dead from sundown all the way till that next morning. And, yes. they, and six of them are standing there praying. They were all believers in Jesus, praying that, that Jesus would save him, and if it be his will, bring him back. And you saw it. Yes. You saw that in heaven. I saw the prayer, and that's why prayer matters. And if I might take one moment, the, the guardian said this to me, sadly, mankind is losing the wish to pray. We have become victims of our society. We have wonderful technology. We press a button, we speak to someone instantly across the world. I'm speaking to you from the Holy Hill <laughs> and, and in a second. And, and, and we've become so used to wanting everything. So when we pray, uh, in church on Sunday, and it doesn't happen by Tuesday. The, no, well, God doesn't care. He doesn't listen. Well, let me tell you something. Everything you've ever prayed for in your life is recorded in the book of your life. 
Don't let the book of your life be like mine. It was thinner than a, than a cheap roadside diner menu. And by God, I spend every moment I can now being kind to people so that when I go back this time, Jesus is going to need three angels and a forklift to open <laughs> the book of my life. Well, so prayer matters. Prayer matters. Well, and, and you know, I, I think it was so insightful because that, as you were seeing those contrails, that's what the angel was explaining to you, right? Is that, that, yes. that we, used to, we used to take time as families even to pray, but we're in such the, the land of instant gratification and, and we don't yeah. make time uh, to pray or we think if it doesn't happen right away, God isn't hearing us. And, and he told you differently, right? Well, look, I'm like everyone else. You get a few minutes at the end of the day, the kids are fed, you're sitting there, and what do you do? You go on Facebook, or you text, or you search for the news. But remember this, that those quiet moments in your life are given to you by God. And you should use that. You should use those quiet moments for prayer. Hmm. Believe me, I need my cell phone. I need to communicate. But Try to put aside some time for God. Hmm. Well, and, and you actually, uh, we can't get into all of it now, but the angel I find fascinating then said, touch my robe, Jim. And he took you up like you were flying above the holy city of God, right? Yes. And, and here's what's fascinating. I, I don't know if you've ever met another friend of mine that I interviewed in my first book, Captain Dale Black, who was also a commercial airline pilot. Have you met him? No, I have not. Okay, so here's what's crazy. is he, God gave both of you aerial views flying in over this holy city, and almost the same one, and you don't know that, but I know that because I've interviewed both of you. But one of the things you said you saw were these beautiful buildings, and you were asking the angels about them, and, and tell them about the Hall of Knowledge because I, think, I find that fascinating, how it relates to prayer. There's the halls of knowledge, the halls of learning, the halls of music, but the halls of knowledge are the repository of, uh, of, of all the books of our lives from the moment of our conception, the moment that God's light went into us on this earth, and, and all the other knowledge uh, of God. And uh, it's just incredible. And, and you know, they don't record this to create an I gotcha moment. It's just that when they review the book of your life with you, you understand the choices you made and what could have been done differently. And they're not there to judge you. I never once. But you know, it's interesting uh, because a, a few minutes uh, later, um, I looked for the tall angel and I realized I hadn't seen him in a while. And we were looking at the horses after we'd come back from flying over heaven. And... Uh, and I looked up to my right, and there was a small slope not 15 or 20 feet away. And for the first time, I saw my, uh, someone else that I had not seen before. And the tall angel was bent very low, and he was holding up for uh, a book for this tall person facing him to read. And I could not see the face of the other individual. Uh, you know how you ride down a, a hot road, a hot asphalt road in the summertime, and you have the heat rising off and it shimmers? The face was covered in shimmer. But I noticed that there was a golden light that flowed off this figure. And that light, when it flowed off, came down over the flowers that were already in bloom. And when that light touched them, 
the, the, the flowers bloomed again. It was incredible. And I was mystified, and I started to slowly walk over toward this incredible figure. And as I walked toward the figure and the guardian holding the book up for that figure to read, the angel uh, looked up at me with those violet eyes and said, said to me, James, what did you do with the book? What did you do with the life my master gave you? And I was, I, I, I felt such remorse I began to cry because I had no excuse with all the wealth and everything I had and all the resources I could have put toward the kindness. I did none of it. I mean, I, I donated to charity if, if I got a tax receipt. That's not kindness, that's business. And as I'm looking, very quickly, as I'm looking, as I'm looking, uh, the, the angel folded the book, put it in his robe and disappeared. And this magnificent figure turned toward me. And John, the golden light that flowed down that slope touched me at the same time. And I realized I was looking at none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I mean, someone that I thought was just some old legend out, 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 of, out, of, out of Israel. And, and, and I'm looking at this magnificent uh, magnificent being looking at me and smiling at me and I immediately fell to my knees because I'm looking at the Son of God the Son of God and I, I just had to get closer and I started to crawl toward him through the golden light and and I, I, I tried to stagger to my feet and suddenly he he smiled at me, and at that moment I looked into his eyes of gold and green and blue, and, and oh my God, and in his eyes I saw my tomorrow. I saw sadness for the way I had lived my life. I saw sadness for the way mankind has rejected his word, but I also saw the most incredible love for me and, and forgiveness for me for the life that I had lived. And, and I tried to go closer, but then he raised his right hand. And, and, and the motion was un, you know, undeniable, was do not come any closer. And my heart sank. And then he smiled again. And then he, with his hand raised, indicating I should not come closer, Jesus spoke to me. And these are the words that Jesus Christ spoke to me and wants you to hear. He said, James, my son, this is not yet your time. Go back and tell your brothers and sisters of the wonders we have shown you. And then his hand came down and closed over his left. And, and then the full impact of it struck me that I felt I'd come home and I was being sent back. And I began to cry, to plead, to beg. Don't send me back, please, I beg you. I, I even said, please let me stay. I won't be any trouble. Can you imagine? <laughs> the desperation of a fool. Well, but suddenly two angels were beside me and lifted me like a feather and started walking me back down the path. And I, and I fought with them. I, I tried to wrench my shoulder away and I looked back to plead one more time with Jesus. Um, to let me stay, but Jesus had gone. But John, standing exactly in the position where he had, where, where Jesus had stood, was the tall warrior angel. 
15 feet tall. And he, he spread his wings. So that's a, that's a 12 foot wingspan, six feet on the other side, 15 foot tall. And I cried out to him, please, can I stay? And he looked at me with those violet eyes and I saw a, a blue tear fall. Mm. And he said, I'm sorry, James, but you have to go. Wow. Like that, I'm back in the tunnel. It's not light, it's not beautiful, it's dark, it's wet, it's cold. I probably shouldn't say this to you, but I felt like I was flushed. <laughs> uh. <You> know, and, <laughs> and, flushed out of heaven. <laughs> yeah, flushed out of heaven. Looks terrible on a resume. <laughs> but, uh, that should have been the title of your I book, Heaven. And, and I found I this flushed. out later. There was a poor little nurse. I mean, they had told my wife that there was no hope of my recovery. I was brain dead. Uh, and if I did manage to come back after all this time, I'd probably be nothing more than a vegetable. That was my greatest fear, coming back as a cabbage. I hate cabbage. <laughs> but I digress. Well, Jim. Uh, but anyway, uh, I guess uh, they tell me there was a young student nurse that night that heard uh, a noise in the room they had put me in. And she opened the door at the same moment that I came screaming up off the hospital bed. At the screaming around all the true the, the tubes because I was intubated and connected up to all the respirators. And the poor little girl scared the daylights out of her. I hear that she transferred to pediatrics the next day. <laughs> but, uh, and my, they ran and got my wife. My wife was in the quiet room with her sisters and they said, Lorraine, come quick. Jim's awake. This was after the doctors had called the time of death. And, uh, and Lorraine came running in and crawled up in the bed and I look at her beautiful face. <laughs> and John, of all the things I could have told Lorraine about heaven, I said, Lorraine, Lorraine, I saw Jesus and Jesus has horses. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm back. Well. Jim, we are so glad that God sent you back. And I know from talking to so many of you that it's not easy to be back because that is, we were created to be with God forever. But, you know, thank you so much for sharing your testimony. And I know when you could just be retired, enjoying your wealth, you're traveling all over the country telling the story since 2015 to, to help people one day be there with you, right? And let's, yes. thank, let's thank Jim for sharing the story with us. God bless. Well, I just quickly, I know we've, we've gone a little over today, but I think it was worth it, wasn't it? And um, I, just, I just want to challenge you in the same way, to pray every day. And, and hopefully more and more until it becomes a conversation all through the day. Because God wants to do life with you. That's why he created you. What do you pray about? Well, let me just give you something to, to start with. Uh, it's called Acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Can you guys put that up? Adoration. You know, just tell God what you love about him. It, two people in love, that's what they do. They, they praise each other. 
And, and so maybe use like the Psalms. Psalm 103 is a great one to use. Read through it and just think through who you're talking to and, and say it back. And then confession. Um, confession is just when we turn away from God, which we do, you know, hopefully less and less. But when we turn away and sin, he has already paid to forgive us 2,000 years ago. But when we turn back and confess it, we are aligning with him again. We're saying, I'm not gonna keep going that way. Help me, God, to go your way. And, and that's the way more and more we become who he created us to be. He, he's not forgiving us so that we can keep doing the things that are, that are death, but so that we, he can lead us to life. And then Thanksgiving, like Jim said, you know, so many things. We go through life and we just don't realize God gave this to me, even my own ability to do whatever you do or all the beauty that you see and just make it a habit to begin to thank him throughout the day. And then finally, supplication. This is just asking. You know, Jesus said God is, is like a good father. He said, you, you parents know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will God give good gifts to you? And just like Jim experienced, you know, he didn't deserve any of it. And yet God shows him horse farms and lets him fly over the city and because he delights to do good for you. So Acts, try it. Let me pray for us and then we're gonna sing a song. Lord, thank you so much for Jim's story. Thank you even more for the story of Jesus and the fact that you came to assure us that you, God, um, do not stand ready to judge and condemn us. You've paid to forgive us so that just simply a heart turning to you and just saying, I, I want your forgiveness and I want to walk with you. That's all, that's all you need. And then God, we want to be people who don't keep going away from you. Away from you is hell. There's nothing good away from you. Help us walk with you more and more every day as we learn to pray throughout the day. In Jesus' name we, we ask, amen.